This is Namina's Mental Health Mavens, where each week we bring you guests from the mental health addictions and holistic care community to talk about different issues and treatment modalities. Now, guest opinions are their own, and some content may be triggering. With that, today's guest is Dan Kalko, who's here to talk to us about the psychology of pelvic floor pain. So let's welcome Dan. All right. Well, welcome, Dan. It is good to see you again. And we're going to be talking about pelvic floor pain. So maybe you can tell me what is a pelvic floor? Yeah, it's a good question. Because up until I did my sex therapy training a few years ago, I didn't really know about the pelvic floor. I took it for granted. um, And then I learned all about it. And it kind of changed the way that I understand all of the biology that happens down there for both men and women. So I guess the first way to start is the pelvic floor is it's kind of like a basket. If you imagine it as like a basket of muscle fibers in the bottom. So it is a muscle um, and it sits in the bottom of your pelvis. Uh, and it has three main functions. So one of the main functions is to support the organs that sit in your pelvis, right? So genital organs, um, bladder, uh, part of your urethra, um, and also your uh, rectum, and it actually makes up part of your um, anus. So the sphincter that controls um, defecation and and waste management. Also um, controls the, uh, sorry, just a source or urethra so it controls um when you have to go and, and pass urine so that's one of its functions the other function is it helps um support when you're lifting something so that all of your pelvic floor organs don't just spill out the bottom so that's why one of the reasons for at least for men when they want to check to see if you have a hernia is doctors will reach down grab a man's testicles ask him to cough and they're testing to see and looking to see if anything protrudes so um that's the other function. And then the third one is to control um, your continence, right? So feces and urine are controlled through the pelvic floor muscles around the openings. And if you imagine it, if you imagine kind of looking down through your own body, there's a bunch of holes in the pelvic floor. And that makes sense, right? So we got to pass the, we got to go, the, the urethra comes from the bladder, has to go through the bottom of the pelvic floor. Uh, that's common to both men and women. There's also the rectum and the anus. So you have to be able to get your the end of your um, digestive tract out. So that goes through as well. And for women, there's also the vagina. So there's basically three holes in the bottom of the pelvic structure that allow different functions to happen. Um, and that's kind of when everything is working properly, it keeps all your organs in, it helps you go to the bathroom, and it supports everything inside when you're lifting. Okay. Well, we're going to go through some uh, treatment options for for those experiencing pelvic floor pain. But I'm also hoping that loved ones or support people of people that have it are also watching this to get a little bit more informed. So let's talk a little bit about pelvic floor pain then. Yeah. And if you it's helpful to conceptualize it as a muscle, right? When you conceptualize the pelvic floor as a muscle, we know lots of things can go wrong with our other muscles in the same way that things can go wrong with our pelvic floor muscle. And so sometimes the pelvic floor can be too tight. Sometimes it can be too loose. And either of those can cause pain. Um, and the pain varies slightly depending on whether you're male or female. Um, but there, it can include pain with... Um, sexual intercourse, so both for, for men and women. So there can be a sexual pain with penetration for women uh, called vaginismus uh, and tightness as well, which causes pain within the vagina. For men, 
um, pain with ejaculation because all of the muscles in the bottom are contracting in order to ejaculate the sperm and the semen. Um, so those are the main ways, but men can also experience pain with erection, um, pain with defecation, pain with urination. Um, there's a whole bunch of different things that can happen for both males and females with pelvic floor dysfunction. I didn't know. I didn't know about this for men. I mean, I know as a woman that you can have, I, I know that you can have pain with sex, uh, due to this, but mm -hmm. I did not know for men. For men, it's a lot of the same, same stuff. So a lot of the structures in that lower abdomen uh relate to passing of the urine passing of feces and also sexual functions so erections happen there needs to be structure to support a man's erection right it doesn't just sit on the surface it needs to be supported by something underneath so you've got the abdominal wall in the front and you've got the pelvic wall or pelvic floor in the bottom and those are the things that help support the rigidity of the erection of the penis. And so if there's any dysfunction in either the pelvic floor or the abdominal wall, you may have pain with erection, or you may have an inability to maintain an erection. That's where we see that some men have erectile dysfunction, and it can be a pelvic floor issue. The contrary to being um, too tight, like you described for women with, uh, with vaginal pain or with penetration, is too loose. And that's where you have difficulty controlling the things that it's supposed to control. And so a lot of people will find that they maybe leak urine when they sneeze or um, they'll have trouble maintaining their bowels when they uh, exert themselves. That's the opposite. So it can be too tight or it can be too loose. Okay. Now, you're a registered sex therapist, so medically, I know there's probably some treatments, but we're going to talk specifically about the psychological components of that. Where yeah. do you want to start with that? Yeah, for sure. So I always like to start with, go see your, if you're having any of these issues, go see a doctor, right? Because I'm not a doctor. Most sex therapists aren't a doctor with therapists. And so being able to make sure that there's nothing medically wrong is very important. So going to your physician, they may send you to a pelvic floor uh, specialist or a pelvic floor physiotherapist to do an assessment to figure out what is going on. One of the main difficulties of pelvic floor pain is it often doesn't have a cause or at least an identifiable cause. And this is where a lot of patients or people struggle with pelvic floor pain because they go from physician to physician and physiotherapist to physiotherapist and they don't know what is causing the pelvic floor pain. It makes sense if you have a tear or if you have a hernia, it's called a hernia when you have a tear in the pelvic floor um, and things are protruding out the bottom, that would cause pain and that would be something that they can go in, they can see, they can image and they can fix, usually surgically. Um, or if there's a problem where the muscles are too loose, you can, you can strengthen them. So Kegels is one of the ways for both men and women to strengthen a pelvic floor. And that's not always what you want, because if it's already tight, you don't want to make it tighter. Uh, but that's where you want to start with somebody who can figure out what's going on with that. Where I come into play is when those people don't have answers, when they say, I don't know why you, you have vaginismus, right? Tightening of the vagina, pain with penetration, or you have vulvodynia, pain in the vulval area. Um, but they don't know why. Um, and that's when we start to try, try to look at, is there a psychological component to the pain? Because as we've talked about before, you and I, the body is really great at manifesting emotional pain as physical pain. And as we repress emotional pain, we often see that it actually goes down the spinal cord and now the floor is kind of the bottom of the spinal cord. Um, and that's the furthest really that you can kind of repress any kind of emotional energy or emotional pain, if you will. And so I deal with a lot of clients who have 
a lot of repressed emotional pain that ends up manifesting as a pelvic floor issue. So bladder, bladder pain, uh, sexual pain, sexual dysfunction, um, even incontinence, that kind of stuff can, can have a psychological component. All right. So yeah. then what is the impact of this then? And, and we've already kind of touched on it uh, in, in a few ways here, but the, the impact can be the physical discomfort of these things and then the inability to do these these functions that it supports. So being able to use the bathroom, being able to hold in our waste products, and then being able to connect with our partners in a sexually intimate way. Those are the main ways that it affects people. And those things, while they are very physical, are also very emotional. But when we think about not being able to hold our bladder, of embarrassment, not being able to hold our bladder, or maybe if we pee ourselves when we sneeze, which is in fact very common for women post-pregnancy. And if you think about what happens, the baby has to go through that pelvic floor. And so the pelvic floor has to separate enough to fit a baby head through, right? And oftentimes it doesn't come back to the same way that it used to. And oftentimes women who have had childbirth need to go to a pelvic floor physiotherapist to re-strengthen that pelvic floor. Oh, the other side of things of, of sexual functioning. So being able to uh, participate in the different types of sexual acts that partners prefer, right? A vag uh, penis and vagina or, or vaginal stimulation, penal stimulation, anal stimulation, all the different ways that we can connect with another person intimately. If there is dysfunction in our pelvic floor, we'll inhibit that. And that can create a little bit of space and distance between partners because that's one of the things that people like to do with each other often is to experience that sexual intimacy. So having pain either with erection or with penetration or any kind of stimulation, even in the in the vulva or the, the clitoris, that could be clitoral pain associated with all of this. Those things will impact a relationship, but also person's mental well-being, because then they're going to be start, they might start to become afraid of sexual intimacy. They might start to preempt situations where it might go to sexual intimacy and because they're worried about these things. And that actually makes things worse. So that anticipatory anxiety will, if there's a tightness issue or a, a muscle spasm issue, exacerbate that. It will be that much worse because their mind gets involved. Yeah, yeah, I could see that spiral happening. You know, I watched a documentary. I think it was a documentary. I, But I do remember a, a woman speaking about the pain that she was having and the issue she was having with her husband. And then they ended up getting divorced over it because sex was very important to him. And, and of course, as a woman, I'm, I'm horrified. <laughs> just stay with her, mm. but, but I can see it. I could see it being a, a big issue. Um, For sure. That, that part of that human bonding experience includes that sexual intimacy. And there's a reason that we do experience those, um, positive emotions with positive neurochemicals, which I think we've talked about in another video about how we release dopamine and serotonin and oxytocin. Those are very critical to having people kind of gel together. Um, and if those are unable to be there, it's very difficult to stimulate those in other ways. They can, but it becomes that much harder. And sex is a very important thing for people. We are sexual beings and we have sexual needs, each to our own way. But if those sexual needs are not being met for whatever reason, oftentimes the relationship will will suffer. Yeah. So how do we talk to our partner about this? What are some of your mm -hmm. best tips for communication? And so that's a tough one because it's so personal to us, right? We Oftentimes we can be embarrassed about this, right? Erectile dysfunction is an embarrassing conversation to have with a partner. Uh, vaginal pain or pain with penetration is a, is a very 
sensitive topic, right? Because the other partner can easily take on the blame or the responsibility for this. What am I doing that is causing my partner pain? What am I doing that's causing my partner to not be able to perform sexually? It can be very difficult. And we often want to protect our partners from that. We want to say, it's not your fault. I know it's not your fault, but if I say it, I'm worried you'll think it's your fault. And so I just won't say anything about it and I'll suffer through painful sex until it becomes no longer bearable. And that's what we don't want. That's the point we don't want to get to. Studies and experience show that the sooner we can get to these uh, these dysfunctional issues, the more the prognosis, the more positive. The, um, if you think about it, right, if you think about spasms and pain as they get worse and worse and worse and worse, and then that cycle, like you mentioned, gets worse and worse and worse, we have to undo that, and that can take that much more. So being knowing that it's not the partner's fault, but being able to communicate that as well is very crucial. And oftentimes using a marriage and family therapist or a sex therapist can be helpful at bridging that gap so that partners don't take on the blame for something that may not be their fault. Yeah, I could see getting educated and and um, advocating for yourself and learning how to communicate your needs uh, mm-hmm. would be very, very important. And even just understanding what's going on, like we talked about in the beginning, right? What does the pelvic floor do? How is it functioning and how is it not functioning in this capacity? And we find that oftentimes um, sexual assault will bring on some of this pelvic floor pain and sexual dysfunction. And when we think about that, there's a lot of emotional bonding that happens in the in the brain, amygdala, and um, it will cause that that psychological pain to be expressed physically in that location find that when we work through some of those issues psychologically the the physiology the body responds in kind and when we can process that pain that emotional pain from let's say a sexual assault there's less physical pain when it comes to sexual functioning later that makes sense yeah so Mm -hmm. what would your advice be for someone that is struggling with that Again, I'll go back to seek medical help first, because you can find a lot of things on the internet that will tell you to do this exercise or this other exercise, but you need to have a really good understanding of what the dysfunction is before you try to fix it. And for example, if you have vaginismus, you start doing Kegels, you may actually make it worse because you will be increasing that muscle tone and you will just be making that muscle stronger and able to spasm that much more in that vaginal area. And that's something that we don't want. So sometimes you need stretching. Sometimes you need um, physiotherapy manipulation in there to make sure that we do the opposite of that. So I would really, really recommend people, if they're struggling with or if they suspect they have any kind of pelvic floor issues, first stop, go see your family doctor. They can send you to a pelvic floor specialist. And then they can include a pelvic floor physiotherapist on the team because that's important. You want to have a team to support you. And then once those professionals rule out Uh, any kind of physical damage, like you have a tear or you have some sort of structures that I don't know what what specifically can happen there. When that's ruled out, you want to throw in that psychological support to say, what is causing my brain or my subconscious to dump all of my emotional pain into that area? And then we can work through it. Okay. And just out of curiosity, because I know you work in a lot of different modalities, what, what therapy would you use for this? So I personally would come at it with my primary therapy, which is the intensive short-term dynamic psychotherapy, the ISTDP. Um, But 
many therapies are very useful at this. So the eye movement desensitization reprocessing, EMDR, can be very helpful, especially if there's a traumatic link there. Uh, DBT, so dialectical behavior therapy, um, except they all are very effective at being able to draw the links between the psychological and the physiological processes going on. If you have a good practitioner who's able to work with you and apply that modality in a way that's helpful. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. Anything that you wanted to yeah. add in closing that uh, I might have missed? So one of the things that I'd like to add is that pelvic floor physiotherapy or pelvic floor exams have a limited way of entering to make sure they can stimulate, right? If you have a shoulder, they can kind of easily get to your shoulder and they can massage and they can, they can needle and they can do all sorts of different manipulations to the muscles. The pelvic floor is a lot harder to reach and it can be reached through one of the openings and generally pelvic floor physiotherapy is, is invasive um, so it means that usually that means getting fingers or somehow manipulating through the anus or the vagina and so that's one of the things that i like to brief people on is that it may be something that has to happen and so being aware of that is important understanding your consent with the, the specialist that you're working on and making sure that you're always comfortable with with what's going on sometimes it may be uncomfortable what they're doing but you always have that final word to say i don't want to do this anymore so knowing that preparing yourself for the fact that if you have to have some of that pelvic floor stretched there are very limited ways of doing it and sometimes it may mean some sort of insertion of fingers into one of those ways that the the canals that penetrate the pelvic floor um, already exist so oh, it's just it's that's different good to yeah. Know. yeah yeah. yeah, it's a little bit different than what we expect, um, but it's important to know before going into it. And I always like to tell my my clients if I am recommending pelvic floor physiotherapy is that it will be different to any type of physiotherapy you may have uh, experienced or heard about before. And this is where it starts to become a bit of an issue in terms of if there is trauma, if there's sexual trauma, you will want to be very careful moving forward because even the manipulation can trigger responses, psychological responses, emotional responses. You're going to a medical professional, it's very sterile, all that stuff is very high-grade uh, mechanic or a medical procedure, but that doesn't mean your brain understands that. Your brain may go back to the trauma if you have unresolved emotional pain that's associated with that. So it's just a really important thing to be aware of, and sometimes you may need to work with a therapist before you can get that manipulation to happen because um, they kind of they support each other so supporting the psychological will allow the physiotherapist to work which will then support the psychological so it's again it's like a circle but sometimes you got to start on the psychological side some people can start on the physiological side some people need to deal with the emotions first yeah yeah no that's a great point i know even myself i love my doctor i have been with him for years but I go to his nurse practitioner when I need any girly stuff done. Totally. And just because I, I love her. I'm comfortable with her. And, and I just, yep. I feel comfortable with her. And that's the 100% the most important thing. Because the, any anxiety that comes to it will, will likely make things worse. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, mm. thank you so much. This was very no educational. I'm a woman and I didn't realize that I didn't, I didn't even know about my own pelvic floor. <laughs> Yeah, we don't teach it. So I, I'm happy to talk about it. And I'm happy to, to let people know the things that I've learned. Okay. Well, thank you, Dan. We'll see you again soon.